What up artists? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm the creative director and founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. This is the Art Pays Me podcast and I'm passionate about finding ways that people like you and me can make a living for ourselves off of our creativity and you know maybe we can make the world a better place at the same time. Let's get into it. Hip-hop fans, this Monday, April 22nd, DJ Kubert and the Fresh Crew will be at Reflections. So the first two people to hit me up on Instagram to say that they're interested in this show, I can add your names to the guest list. Serious inquiries only. So the show will feature DJ Kubert and the Fresh Crew, obviously. Uh, and then it'll be Toronto's Fortunato, Halifax Hip-Hop performers DJ IV, Sess, Shade Pits, Mars That Advocate, Shell, Mac Malicious and B. Hit me up. Okay, welcome to the Art Pays Me podcast. My guest on this episode is Melissa McMaster of 902 Hip Hop. I met Melissa years ago and immediately reconnected. Uh, we've been cheering for each other on the sidelines ever since, and I've been amazed at the success she's had over the years and her passion for elevating the profile of hip hop from. Uh, this part of the country. So Melissa, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so what is 902 Hip Hop and what exactly do you do? So 902 Hip Hop, it's an like urban artist management company um, as well as licensing. So we license hip hop music for TV, film and video games. Okay. And I saw some of your music popped up into in some things. I, was it... Uh, Stars. Stars, that's it. I was like, whoa, that's a big move. Yeah, so we've had a lot of really great placements over the past couple years. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that you kind of just recently saw was Matty Bow. Um, he did an instrumental beat with Bongo, and they kind of did a song um, over that instrumental and then shot a music video for it as well. Cool. And Quake and KO in the summer, they did one of the UFC trailers. For the fight, um, Maddie's also done other instrumentals for Big Shack for some UK train line commercials. Right. We've done stuff for HBO. We have some stuff coming out with Netflix with Cupcake. So we've been all over the place, but with some really great placements. So is that to do with um, intellectual property law at all, or do you not really? Get yeah, it? a little bit. Um, it comes to the ownership of of the song. Okay. Um, so typically it's easier for me to work with artists that aren't signed to a major label or aren't signed to publishing companies because they own a hundred percent of their music. However, we can still go through that kind of clearance process mm-hmm. um, with them. So one thing when it comes to licensing music, especially for TV and film and when it's hip hop music is that it has to be sample free. Oh, okay. And that's one of the, biggest things are kind of one of the biggest like challenges um, with hip-hop artists and with their music is if the samples aren't cleared technically they don't have permission to use it and if it's not cleared then we can't license it for TV or for film because it could cause a lot of problems if it's a big song or a big sample Um, so that's one thing that I work with a lot of the artists on is making sure that the music is sample free um, that it's cleared and they have kind of majority ownership of the song. Cool. Do you, I, you don't have to get into specific numbers or anything, mm-hmm. but like, how does, how do the artists get paid off of that? Do you, is, are you able to talk about that? Yeah, of course. Um, so it varies across the board, um, depending on, on the company or the TV show or if it's a movie. Um, but we typically work between like $1,000 to like $10,000 budgets, that's kind of our sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, MTV placements are typically like $1,000 across the board. Okay. Um, when it comes to like TV shows, we've typically seen like 2,500 to 5,000 and that's US. Okay. Um, and then some of the commercials that we've done or even the stuff in Stars or Empire, when they're singing, when they're creating a song over that instrumental and it's not just background music, that's when the checks get a lot bigger. So you're looking mm. at ten to fifteen to twenty thousand dollars. And that's like a, a 
it doesn't matter how many times the show airs. It's just like a one-time fee that they pay. It depends. So it that's kind of comes out like in the contract. Okay. Um. So sometimes for Netflix, it's typically like it's a flat rate. You get paid and you can't collect any royalties off the back end. Okay. So no matter how many times people stream it or watch it on Netflix, you're not getting any of that back end. However, for like MTV, the placement money is so low, but you're able to collect the royalty on the back end. So if your song gets played in Kardashians, well, you know Kardashians is streaming pretty much for the rest of our life. Right. Um, and the same when it comes to like TV placements, if we take a look at the one that we just recently did with Stars. Um, sometimes in the contract, you'll see like additional bonuses yeah. um, because those songs are streaming on Spotify, on Apple and on Tidal. So if they reach a certain number of streams, it almost like you get, you got, you get paid out like an extra kind of percentage. Gotcha. Um, so every situation is different. Um, so it's just kind of what's in the contract. Okay, cool. Like I have, I always see that and fascinated by it and. I'm sort of exploring that idea from a visual standpoint as well. So it's, it's, that's, that's cool. Um, so what made you want to start doing this? Um, it was kind of, it was super organic. Um, so my background is startup in tech. I was a small business like counselor for seven years. Um, I was working at Seed at the time when this kind of all started to bubble. Um, Ryan from Youth Art Connection and I were on a 21 Inc. leadership program so we spent a week together traveling around the province and he was just kind of sharing with me some of the stuff that he was doing at Youth Art Connection because that's when they kind of started their company as well and telling me about some of the artists that they were working with and how a lot of them were just kind of in this like hobby business and yeah. they wanted to be sustainable and they wanted to do this full time and because i was at seed and that's at at that time and it still kind of is you know their mandate um i brought that to our ceo at the time and said you know ryan has a group of youth they're interested in starting businesses um we should let them come in and on a weekly basis and kind of take them through like a small business you know marketing course accelerator program and they said sure you know Let's do that. Let's have him come in. And what I quickly realized that first week was I knew absolutely nothing about music. Oh, really? <laughs> and so when you look at kind of your operating costs as a small business, it's typically like brick and motors, right? So you have whatever lights or you have inventory, yeah. you have staff. When you look at operating costs for musicians, for rappers, for producers, it's completely different. The way they're making revenue is completely different from how Tim Hortons would make revenue or how a small retail shop would make revenue. Okay. So I had to stop for a minute and I had to like really immerse myself within the community, within the hip hop scene and really quickly get a snapshot of what that would look like. And going through that process, that's when I really started to kind of, I would say like I fell in love with hip hop. I fell right. in love with, you know, our scene and our community. And really started to see that there was, you know, a lot of opportunity um, to kind of help build the community up because there is a lack of managers, there is a lack of infrastructure. Cool. Uh, so who do you represent currently? Currently, I represent Quake Matthews, Ko, Maddie Galaxy, Maje, Thrilla, and Nicole Ariana. Oh, okay. So six, yeah. Nicole Ariana. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and is it just you with 902 Hip Hop? Primarily, it's just myself. Okay. Um, I have like a business partner in Atlanta that I work really closely with. Um, but I've built teams around each of my artists. Okay. Um, so that allows me to, I guess, work the way I'm working right now yeah. um, in that sense because each artist kind of has a team around them instead of me kind of building a team around 902 hip hop. Um, we're in such a growth period right now and I'm moving around so much. It's really, I'm having that challenge of building a team around myself. So it's mm -hmm. much easier for me to build a team around the artist and for me to manage those teams. 
Mm, interesting. Um, so like I, I struggle with that myself. It, it's hard to do everything by like alone, right? No, it definitely is. Um, things, you know what I mean? Like things that should become priority kind of get left to the side sometimes because other things are more important than, you know, what you should be doing. And, and that happens all the time. I think that's a normal like struggle that every entrepreneur faces. Yeah. So I think that's like the normal type of thing. And I think for myself, we've just been growing at such a rapid pace and moving into like different fields of the industry. Mm. So when I started, I was doing a lot of say marketing and communication stuff for the artist. And then I started doing a lot of day to day management and now I'm doing licensing. Mm. Um, and so every time, and because I came with no background, I'm learning every single day as I go. So it's like that balance of, well, I gotta go and I have to learn all this. So something has to stay on pause for a minute. Um, yeah. while I go learn this and come back, but I'm really like fortunate, like the, the guys and, and Nicole, like they're self-sufficient artists and we all work together as, as a collective. Yeah. So the stuff that I'm doing right now, like they know that's like super important for long term. Okay. So Quake can hold himself down for a minute. Kale can hold himself down for a minute. Nicole can hold herself down for a minute um, because they've been in the game, you know, for a little in yeah. that sense. Right. So it's not like this is new and like fresh to them, you know, that they, they can kind of maintain their day to day and bring me in when it's something, you know, of need or a priority. Um, well, I'm kind of building our company to that next level. Okay. So you're also a mother. So yes. I'm sure that plays into the, the juggle. I'm a dad <laughs> and I, I find it hard to prioritize their interests, but then still be like, I'm a human and I still want my <laughs> own, I still have my own life to live and goals yeah. and ambitions and all that other stuff. How do you find that? Um, it was definitely a challenge um, because I became a single mom of three when I started my company. Oh, wow. So I would say like the first kind of year, the first two years, like finding that balance was super challenging on mm. both sides. Like me trying to figure out, you know, I, I quit my job, I started a company and now I have all these people depending on me to yeah. manage their lives and their careers. Um, and then I was coming out of a long-term relationship and finding that balance of, you know, being in Halifax, being in Anakinish, being a mom, being a manager, and all that jazz in between. Yeah. So it was definitely, you know, a challenge. Um, and I definitely spent more time and, you know, on my company at some times, and then sometimes I had to be home. Yeah. Um, but right now, like, I have that balance perfected okay. in a sense, or I feel that I have that balance perfected. Um, where I'm at with my company, because we're established, and I have clear like you know vision and goal for for where we're going and what we do. If there's a meeting that like pops up tomorrow, and I'm an Anaganish, like I can I I have the ability now to like fully say no. Yeah. You know I don't need to drive to Halifax to do that one hour meeting and then drive home. Okay. So for me, like my priority has, has shifted to like, if I'm in Halifax, like this is my time in Halifax. When I'm home with the kids, that's my home with mm -hmm. the kids. So I have a nine to five when I'm in Anaganish. Um, my artists know that. A lot yeah. of my close, you know, clients and partners know that. So unless it's, you know, urgent, like a major priority, like I'm nine to five at home and I'm with my kids. Uh -huh. And then when I'm in Halifax, like we were just talking about, you know, this morning, like I'll put in my 12, my 14, my 16 hour days. Yeah. And that's just kind of my routine and the balance that I've kind of, I've worked out. And so I feel super like whole about it. So it just makes everything for me, like it's an easy yes or no. Okay. And my whole schedule is built around one week on, one week off. Sweet. Like, uh, that's that's good that you were able to like figure out that system i i know with me i have a nine to five and then the family thing and i'm working on like segmenting my life mm -hmm. into those sections okay when i'm doing this y'all need to leave me alone. yeah <laughs> uh 
challenge is sometimes social media. Um, I I hate the the scene, the thing that when people can see you that you saw a message actually, <laughs> because sometimes I can't respond right away even yes. if I've seen the message, and I feel like people are like waiting for me, so I feel pressure. So I just sometimes don't check even check the messages because I'm just like I'm in. Day mode, uh, nine to five mode right now, mm-hmm. so I can't really deal with this. Yes. Or I'm in family mode right now, so I'm not even gonna try to solve this problem right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's interesting trying to find that. No, balance. and I think that's that happens to all of us mm-hmm. in that sense. And sometimes, like I just need a break. Mm-hmm. Like I'm tapped out. Like there's days where I can't listen to any more music. I right. don't want to have any more conversations. I just need to relax, and so. You know, people are so accustomed to me or accustomed to calling me or texting me and me responding right back. Mm-hmm. And then if I don't, it's like, What's you know, I'm going to blow up your phone or like, what's going on? Is everything okay? Mm-hmm. And I think you just have to get used to not caring what anyone else thinks. <laughs> Which true. is super hard. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it's just you're in that moment. Yeah. And, you know, you have to be your best self. And so I have to be my best self to make sure my company is solid and for me to be in to be that manager or that support that you know my artists need. Yeah. So if I'm not my best self, then we're not we're not whole. Couldn't have said it better myself. We we all need that time to recharge and sometimes just do nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh so why does it make sense? For an artist to work with someone like you, um, I don't know if it makes sense to work okay. with me. Um, I know, like, I get a lot of artists that like hit me up that want to work like with myself because obviously they see, you know, what Quake's doing, what Ko's doing, what Nicole's doing, or Maddie, and they want to be in that position or they want help getting there. Um, I always use this analogy: like, artist management is like dating. Mm. Right. Um, so sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. So you can look at me and you can see everything that I'm doing and I'm moving and I'm, you know, I have crazy work ethic, blase, blase, blase. But I have my own schedule, right? So the way I I work or I have that, you know, I'm in Anakesh, so I have a nine to five some weeks. You know, I'm in Halifax and that's cool. I can be super attentive. Or mm-hmm. if I'm in Atlanta or LA or you or in London, you know, still you're getting like half of me because I'm out there working in meetings and whatever artists with me um, at that time. So for me, what I try to do is when when people message me or they're looking for management is to really like drill down to what they're actually like looking for, because people's definition of management is completely different. Mm. If I asked you what an artist management does, Mm -hmm. you know, you'll say one thing and then I'll say what I do and it's not going to match. You know, most of the times people want to work with me because they're looking for more gigs. They want a booking agent. And right off the bat, like, that's the, like, my, like, worst quality, my my weakness. In that sense, like, I'm not, like, I hate calling venues. If someone like hits me up like a festival and wants to book somebody like yes i can i'll do up the contract and whatnot but like if you expect me to pick up the phone like where i'm at right now and and you know and call and book you a tour like that's going to be the last priority on my list for that day Mm. um so i really try to like drill down to get an idea of like what the artist wants and then provide them with like that transfer of knowledge or those contacts so they can go do it themselves because it's super important for an artist to be self-sustainable. Yeah. Like I remember one day someone asked me if I was Maje's manager because they haven't seen me at one of his shows. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, I am his manager, but he doesn't need me at his show. Like I can go, not waste, but I can go take three hours of my time and go to his show mm-hmm. and make sure, I guess, everything's okay type yeah. of thing. Right? Or I could be spending three hours on, you know, how to, build his career outside of Nova Scotia within Canada or outside of the US. Mm-hmm. And so long term, those three hours for me are better spent trying to build that artist than hanging out at a show mm-hmm. when there's sound technicians and everyone else there. Um, typically, like I'll ask the guys or the artist, 
you know, if, you know, if, if it's a big show and they want me there, yeah, you know, so sometimes, you know, this will be happening and they're like, Melissa, I really want you to be there for this. And I will, you know, I'll 100% be there. Yeah. Um, but then it goes back to like prioritizing, being able to say no and like what's important. Yeah. Um, so f- I think that's, you know, a longer answer to your question. Um, but yeah, I think it just becomes a conversation of, you know, what an artist is really looking for and that 90% of the time they need to be doing that by themselves anyways mm-hmm. before they kind of bring a manager or someone else um, into their into their career. I, I love that. I relate it to what I've struggled with as a graphic designer. I think early in my career, when say a client would approach me for a design project, I felt this pressure to say that I could do everything. Because mm-hmm. I can't, I, I have the ability to do yeah. all kinds of things. But now I'm at the point where I'm like, no, I know what I really enjoy doing as a graphic mm-hmm. designer. I know what I'm good at. And I'd rather just do those things rather than try to tell you, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And then we both have a terrible experience yeah. because I'm doing something I don't enjoy. You're not getting the best of me because you're expecting something I'm not really yeah. great at. So it's, yeah, I, I like that you... You mentioned that and I also like the idea of using your time better like you're right because if you're not doing anything more than just sort of being in the audience mm-hmm. when your artist is in a show like that's the great thing of having a, a team is yeah. the artist is out doing their thing creating energy cre- getting fans and performing you're in the background creating doing the other boring stuff to them exactly. stuff that they don't want to do yeah so like that i, I love that idea because mm-hmm. you need people who like love doing that other stuff so you can focus on the thing that you love doing no exactly and i think that's you know another thing like about 902 hip-hop and the artists that we get to work with like we're a collective yeah you know like we support each other like when, when Kale's in Halifax, like, he's so good to be there to help mentor Maje mm. and to support him. Um, it's the same, I know we're going to get into this in a little bit about the Artist in Residence program. Yes. You know, that we're launching um, in Atlanta. But again, like, some of the artists are paired up because they can support each other because, you know, Quake's been out to Atlanta a number of times, so he knows the scene. Yeah. He has, you know, some friends, some relationship. So when he's there with Psych, like he can kind of help him get comfortable in Atlanta so he can kind of go off and do his own thing. And that's how, you know, that's how we, we've always approached, you know, this growth together. Like I get a lot from the guys, like I learn so much from Quake, right? But at the same time, I'm able to share, you know, my business knowledge with them. Mm. So it's always like a back and forth and Everyone that I work with or any, everyone that's now a part of like 902 Hip Hop, like that was so organic. It wasn't like, all right, today I'm going to start an artist management company and I mm-hmm. want to manage X, Y, Z. Yeah. And I'm going to go knock on their door and like, hi, like I'm Melissa, like can I be your manager? Like everyone just kind of, we all just came together. Like Maje, I knew Maje for five years before I started mm. managing him. Like I started 902 Hip Hop, he was one of the youth that was in that first like artpreneur incubator that Ryan and I did at Seed. Yeah. Right. So I seen him from the very beginning. I've watched him grow and knew, you know, kind of last year, um, maybe a year and a half now, um, you know, like he was in a position where he definitely needs some management and some help to help him Mm -hmm. kind of elevate and grow to that next level. Um, It was the same like. With Maddie, like Maddie was just producing a lot of tracks for some of the artists that I was working with. Mm-hmm. But again, like he was going out to different like conferences, flying out to LA, and you know, he, he had opportunities coming to him. Yeah. And it was just a conversation. It was like, well, you know, I can you know help you with that. And now, you know, you know, we're a team, we're together, like we're we're really working on like composing music for video games. We just got back from a conference in San Francisco. So for me, I'm just here to really like elevate the guys mm. and Nicole. I would say the guys and Nicole. Yeah. <laughs> but 
you know, where they want to go. So, you know, Maddie started off as, you know, as a producer. Now he's moving into more like composing. He's really interested in like licensing his music mm. into like, you know, audio engineering and stuff like that. So for me, it's like, however I can help elevate their goals and their dreams. Yeah. Like that's what I want to do. Like at the end of the day, you know, they're going to break out of that, of that box that they started in and mm-hmm. move into all these other kind of avenues, whether it's, you know, fashion, producing, TV and film. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just here to support that growth. Okay. Cool. Shout out to Marjorie too. So I'm on the <laughs> basketball court this week. Always on the basketball yeah, court. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to take a chance to talk my shit. Hey, <laughs> you, you, you got some shots up, youngin, but, I, you know, I gave you some work. <laughs> Maybe you can have you on the podcast and talk about it. Um, so let's talk about Atlanta. So what's going on with the artist of residency program? Um, yeah, so probably about six months ago, um, we started kind of just having some conversations on where everyone was at within their career and what, you know, really needed to happen next. And that's the other piece that like I love about our collective is that we're, we can always have honest conversations. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're very open with each other and it's not an ego thing. It's it's just an honest and open conversation of like, look, this is where you are right now in your career. And if we you know, if we need it, if we want to get to this next that next level, Mm -hmm. I hate that term, but, you know, that next level, if you really want to be like a global artist or you want to break into that, you know, U.S. market, then what do we need to do? Yeah. Um, so that was that's kind of how everything started was, you know, having some really honest conversations where everyone was at and where they wanted to go. Um, we've been building in Atlanta, too, for like the past three years. Mm-hmm. So I have some really solid relationships in Atlanta. Um, my business partner is from Atlanta. Um, so it was really, you know, talking with him, talking with the artist. And, you know, Atlanta is the mecca for hip hop right now. There's mm-hmm. a lot of like creativity that's flowing within the city um they're like their chamber of commerce choose atl invest atlanta you know they're all moving into the music that the music scene yeah. in that sense to support artists and we really thought that like creating an artist in residency program um, would be super beneficial um to our artist and to use that as like a pilot as like a proof of concept to say, you know, this is what we did with artists from Nova Scotia mm-hmm. over a period of time. And this is all the success that they had going through an artist in residence program. Mm-hmm. And so we're able to hopefully, you know, pitch that, whether it's, you know, two factor to Canadian Council, you know, to the larger, I guess, organizations within within Canada to say, you know, this works and hip hop artists need this type of program. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the like res- art- artist residency program in Banff. No. So we, we sort of kind of use this as like to mirror our project. So there's an artist in residency in Banff, but it's more for like disciplinary artists. So okay. if you are a professional celloist yeah. or like, so it's, you know, putting a hip hop artist in that, in that residency would be. It just wouldn't, it would be a, a weird, awkward fit. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, knowing that like urban music is like, you know, the top music globally. Um, and here, artists need to be able to compete on a global level. Yeah. Like the quality is great. Like the artists are amazing, but they still need to bring it up a notch. Mm. And when we're in Halifax, like when I go downtown or down like downtown, like, there's no labels down there, right? Like I can't go into Universal, I can't go into Sony, I can't go into Spotify, I can't go into Apple, can't go into Warner Chappelle. Like we can't go anywhere because we don't have that infrastructure or that business executives kind of around us. Um, but again, you know, Atlanta has amazing producers. They have all the you know infrastructure in regards to like executives, you know, there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just made sense to kind of pilot this program. Quake went down um, April 1st, so he's there right now. Um, he just got out of an amazing 
four-day song camp and like knocked out probably like six to ten songs oh nice um you know working with top producers like willpower he just did a session with tasha couture um him and deontay hitchcock are you know great friends and they're back in the studio been in the studio with black metaphor um and you know still has two more weeks and sure. a lot more sessions to come um and then last night he was at a plug and play event where you know a lot of the executives were at so just being you know just being in in the mix of yeah. things um where we're having a lot of conversations with those executives and for them to see like our artists you know about um is really going to give them that next opportunity that they need mm-hmm okay that's that's really cool um so speaking about uh hip-hop representation <laughs> you posted something about <laughs> music nova scotia recently and about how they distribute their funding yes i did um yeah so there was you know there's been i guess like situations or artists being um not approved you know for their funding and really not understanding why you know those grants aren't going going through and you know with you know we've not received funding in the past which is i don't want to say completely okay but you mm. know we've gone like we understand how that feels sure in that sense um you know but sometimes like you do question some of the feedback that comes back you know from the jury um you question you know the jury not having like equal representation you question you know the jury not understanding you know hip-hop music not yeah. understanding who the majority of the players are who the artists are within the city because it's outside of their kind of bubble yeah um type of thing right so i mean we've all had these like you know questions when you're you know you're dealing with a rejection and um leland um kid he kind of really brought this out on social media um last week because his production grant for mentorship um, with OVO was denied mm. um, and so it really just kind of kicked off a conversation and I think it's a conversation that should have happened like a long time ago and I don't I don't want to say I don't know where the conversation's gonna go I really feel like Music Nova Scotia needs to be held accountable for making change so you know we've had some really good conversations this past week but we all know conversations are conversations. Talk is talk. Yeah. Um, so right now it's more of just, you know, holding Music Nova Scotia like accountable and making sure that there's fair. For me, it's like fair play. Yeah. So if you're a new artist and you submit a grant, well, you should, you know, you should be at equal playing field with myself. Mm -hmm. You know, that's written grants that has, you know, put them in. Um, so we've suggested a lot of different things to them about having like a standard, you know, template. Mm -hmm. So if you're filling out an artist development grant and I'm filling out an artist development grant, we're filling out the exact same template. Okay. You know, same if you're filling out a marketing grant and I'm filling out a marketing grant, well, we have a standard marketing plan template. So at least when you start, you already have an idea of, you know, what type of information has to go in there. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's the same, like just you know, making sure expectations are clear. So for me as an entrepreneur, as a business, you know, a business counselor, that's my background. So I'm always like, you know, here are some problems. We just need to solve them. Yeah. And they're in a unique situation because everything that gets denied, right, the jury has to provide feedback. So for me, it's like, well, let's look at the feedback that's coming back from the juries. Mm -hmm. So, and find common themes right so if one of the themes is you know goals aren't clear mm -hmm. okay well then we need there you know there's a lack of there's a miscommunication of what a, a smart goal is right or what goals look like um so you know whether that's a tutorial video one minute of this is how you write a smart goal yeah or you know here's our q a sheet of like five common like mistakes that people make on their grants so to me, that's where I want to see that conversation going. I want to see a mm. lot more like education and communication 
around you know the process of writing grants the information that goes into writing grants if you're going to appeal a grant what does that even look like mm-hmm. um so that's you know that's what we're hoping yeah and you know right now it's it's a lot of talk and we're all about action so mm. hopefully we'll start to see some of this stuff come come into play and if it doesn't there's going to be a lot more you know uproar i think from the community um about you know not music nova scotia not taking you know those correct steps or really trying to change why the application percentage is so low for black artists mm-hmm. you mentioned that feedback you have an example of them not getting hip-hop because i see it on twitter sometimes and mm-hmm. people will criticize hip-hop music for something you know, like well that's actually the intention of the song to 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 do that very thing that you think mm-hmm. is wrong with it <laughs> so. yeah. um yeah i think like more so like the feedback is is them not maybe understanding like who all the artists are right so okay. if you're not you know, if I use like a Maje or an Aquaculture, like, mm-hmm. you know, those names are like in the community. Yeah. But they're also in like the white community, mm-hmm. in corporate community, right? Because, you know, they've, they've blended in. Yes. Right. right. Um, but you might take like Kiddo, I want to say North Preston. I hope I'm right. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember if it's. He, I, yeah. Uh, right. So if you take Kiddo, right? You know he's an emerging like an amazing artist but we see him because he's in our right he's in our bubble in our circles um right same with like corey writes like there's a lot of mm-hmm. artists that are doing amazing things that may not be in the blended yep mix of things um so if you don't really know who they are um that's kind of you know it's it's almost like when you go and vote for things right if you know the name on the ballot you're more likely to check that name than like someone else in that mm. sense um music nova scotia has an urban advisory committee and so we made it we made suggestions that maybe a representative from the urban advisory committee sits in as like a non-voting member as a jury mm. so when they're going through you know urban applications um they can just say like oh actually like they can provide a little bit more information mm-hmm. or explain why that's so important gotcha. for their project or for you know for music nova scotia or for the jury to say yes and invest in that project mm. um so there's to me it's an easy fix yeah it just needs to be prioritized and it just needs to happen right it, it it's that uh is it that old stereotype that people don't necessarily associate hip hop as being a Nova Scotian thing? Like, I mean, Drake is changing it from a Canadian standpoint. And the weekend, mm-hmm. and you know, like the whole movement that's coming out of that region. Now people are taking hip hop, Canadian hip hop, a lot more seriously. And Pat Stay is a, yeah. a battle rapper. Like, I have a friend who's in the battle rap scene, and you know, he has a lot of respect for Pat. So. Hip-hop is not, you can no longer deny that it is. That's the thing, like, you can no longer deny it, and it's, right, the roots of it, it, it's black music. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. It's it's black music, it's it's your guys' culture, Mm -hmm. and that's prominent, whether it's Halifax, you know, Montreal, Toronto, Atlanta, like, it's prominent everywhere, everywhere we're at. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not going away, like, hip-hop music, R&B music like number one stream music you know across the world and you know it's this conversation of like we have so many amazing dope artists from halifax and you know they just need to get out there and yeah but it's like if you're not going to fund them or you're not going to figure out you know if you're not going to look at the reasons why they're not being funded mm-hmm. and you know go in and make changes then you know what i mean like it, the, it's broken yeah in that huh. sense right so you want, you know what I mean? Like you want to say we have dope talent and they need to, you know, they need to be stars. They need to export out of Halifax. Well, then you need to be there to support them. So how, you know, how do we go back and look at what we were doing, you know, in the past or what our processes were and figure out why that's broken, that we're not supporting the amount of, you know, hip hop and R&B artists that are in Halifax in Nova Scotia to excel them to that next level. And in your opinion, it's specifically related to 
let's face it, black artists who just are having that harder yeah. time. There's barriers. Like we, there's barriers in yeah. that sense, right? We we know that it's like a, it's a common, you know, a mm-hmm. common thing, right? So, you know, if you look at the application for, yeah, if you go on and you apply for artist development grant, marketing, yep. touring, or whatnot. Like these are conversations that we had like right off the bat, like the first two pages, you know, of that application is a barrier in its sense. It's asking you for publishing information, um, licensing revenue, mm. how many streams. So if you don't know what the word publishing means, if mm-hmm. you don't know what the word licensing means, if you just put your music on SoundCloud or Bandcamp, mm-hmm. if you don't know how much a stream is. Mm-hmm. How are you supposed to calculate these numbers that they're asking? Yeah. Which really has, to me, like very little impact to the overall grant that you're writing. Like I understand like those numbers are important. They need to, you know, capture those stats and capture those numbers for their like funders. Mm-hmm. But in a sense, whether you're a new artist and you made five hundred dollars or you made two, it should really go to like that application that you're submitting and what you want to do to help grow your business um, or, you know, and launch your career. So just little things like that, like to me, those are a barrier. Like if you started putting zeros in every one of those fields, like how discouraging would, like if that plays with your mind, like, mm. okay, I'm putting zeros in all these fields and maybe, you know, artist X, Y, Z, I know that he's putting a hundred, two hundred, yeah. right? So then you either just start making up numbers. Or you give up. Or you just say, fuck it. Yeah. It's and, okay. <laughs> and right, and then you just close it, and you don't. Yeah. Um. Right. And again, like if you never wrote like an artist development plan, or yeah. you know, if you didn't write like a small marketing plan, well, there's no tools on the website to say like, oh, here's the template. Like, you know, this is how you fill it out. Mm-hmm. Um. And then we all know. I mean, if you go to Google right now and put like business plan template. Yeah. Right. It's gonna be like business plan pro two thirty and like graphs and charts and you're just like okay nope (laughs) so like there's just so many different like barriers like that and i think that you know even walking into music in nova scotia for a lot of people is just not comfortable for them in that sense they Mm -hmm. don't you know they have one person you know of color that works there Mm -hmm. you know in that whole office space Mm -hmm. so i don't even think people feel like they you know resonate or like oh i can go in there and i can chop it up Mm. um type of thing so again like i'm just hoping that we start to see some changes um or it's going to create like a really big dialogue you know outside of of the artists like it's it's going to get you know community involved in what's going on cool um so no i i got some bars yeah i'm just okay i got some i got some recordings that <laughs> you know my my brother and my and my cousin they can let you know all right, uh, all right. <laughs> what what piece of advice would you give uh, a young aspiring talent like one big thing that you would, you would give them my biggest piece of advice is is just to consume as much knowledge as you can about the industry. Okay. And whether that's reading books, listening to podcasts, you know, watching interviews on YouTube, um, is to really consume all this all this knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that sometimes. It, you know, it comes down to that balance. Well, I'm an artist and I don't give a fuck about the business. Mm-hmm. Well, when you become a global artist, it's 90% business, 10, 10% about your artistry. Um, and everything that you start to get hit with as you grow, you need to be as so well informed so you can make those right decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can under, you know, so you can, when opportunities come to you, you can, you can weigh them out properly in that sense. Um, and to me, like that's the biggest thing that I did. Like people have to realize that, yes, you know, I come from business and startup, but I, you know, I read every single day. Mm. I listen to a podcast every single day and I've built a team of mentors behind me so I can, so I can ask them questions. Right. And all of my artists will always say this, 
you know, she may not know the answer, but she will go out and find that answer. Mm-hmm. And to me, like I, you know, anytime we're making decisions, it's, you know, I, I need to present all the, you know, that 360 picture to you because at the end of the day, my artists make every single decision, mm. right? All I can do is present them with the information right? so they can make that best decision for themselves. And the more informed they are, the, the better decisions. the more informed they are, the better decisions, you know, that they can make in that mm-hmm. sense. Um, you know, as an artist, like, it's super hard because, like, this is, this is what you want, right? Like, you want to be, you know, a Drake or you, you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. want to be... A little baby or you you know you want to be that artist that is signed to a major label right and you're performing everywhere you're kind mm-hmm. of living that life um, but you have to understand you know what I mean like the, those little steps that come in between and what you're signing and what you really want in that sense mm-hmm. right so you know it's I you know we have a really great relationship with with Universal Music um, but it's the same thing. Like, if someone presented you as a new artist, even, you know, I've seen this with some of the producers um, that I'm friends with, right? Oh, I just got this producer deal, or I just got this. And it's like, okay, let's read this. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, mm, no, like, <laughs> this makes no sense at all. Or you're just going to give everything away for what? Like, is that what you need? Do you need, like, to me, it's like, do you need $10,000? Because literally, like an artist development deal in Canada mm-hmm. is like ten to fifteen thousand dollars. Right. So it's like you know what I mean. So what, you know, what do you want from that deal? And trying to make the best decision of even like what label you want to get signed to. You know, what do they bring to the table? What do you need? Mm-hmm. Right. Like for me, we operate as an independent label. Like we've built teams that labels would build around the artists that I represent. Um, right. So it's figuring out, you know, what, you know, is it, is it the marketing piece that you need? Is it the funding piece that you need? Is it distribution that you need? Is it breaking into the UK market? Is it breaking into the U S market? Is it a booking agency that you need? Is it going to radio? Like it's breaking down all those pieces and understanding what all those pieces mean. Mm -hmm. Um, and then being able to make that best, you know, the best decision because, Again, you can sign to a label, but if they're, you know, if your expectations aren't met or are not communicated properly, yeah, then then nothing's really going to happen. You could be shelved for a long time, and they you own the rights to your music. And you don't, if you don't have the proper team behind you, then like, who's going to push you at the label? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's so many like different things like that. To me, it's like you try to be as independent as you can. And learn, you know, for me, like learn every aspect of it or have a good understanding of what it means. Mm-hmm. And then do as much as you can on your own because then you have leverage. Yeah. Without any leverage, like you can't negotiate. Right. At all. So, you know, you want to come to the table and be like, you know, I, you know, I did my own tour. I booked my own shows. Like I know that, you know, I can go across Canada and I can do 50 shows and mm-hmm. I can sell them out. And here's the proof. Right. You know, like, you know, or, you know, I had two songs. We've gone to radio. Or, you know, these are my followers and my followers transition into actual, like, sales of merchandise or Mm -hmm. actual, you know, a revenue of something in that sense. Yeah. So, me, it's just like, keep your head down, grind it out, stop worrying what everyone thinks of you or what artists a is doing in comparison to artist B, like that shouldn't matter right. whatsoever. Like you're in your own lane. Like that's what I always tell people. Like, yeah, I know what's going on in the city, and I know, like, you know, I know new artists that are coming up, and you know what people are doing. But like, I'm here to support and I'm here to help. But like, my head's down because like I want to be one of the biggest music executives that come out of Canada. Mm-hmm. So I can't be worrying, you know, what other people you know may think of me or yeah. like you know, what's going on over there, if it doesn't like, you know, impact, you know, my company, the artist that I'm working with, or like what my goal is in yeah. that sense. And so I think when you know what your goal is and where you want to be, 
it makes it so much easier just to put your head down and grind it up. What a way to finish it off. <laughs> I love that. So how do people get in contact with you? Um, so I have three email addresses. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, people can get in contact with me um, mostly through Instagram. Okay. To be honest, like I'm not a Facebooker. Okay. Twitter, I don't like Instagram or like email. Okay. Email is my thing. Um, Melissa at 902hiphop.com. Okay. Now, I'm assuming you don't want to get bombarded with everyone's SoundCloud. <laughs> no, I put the links in there. I travel so much, so I appreciate the music, if okay. that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, if people send me, like, I prefer, like, please send me, like, a link of music. Like, mm. my inbox is always at max, so, like, MP3s and stuff people like that. People send you MP3s and not links? Yeah, no. sometimes. Um, no. So, I'm, yeah, send me the links because at least I can, like, download it on my phone. You know, whether yeah, yeah. it's Spotify or if it's SoundCloud, I can just open it up and, like, just play it right. in the car or while I'm, while I'm flying. Um but no, I appreciate the new music because okay. the other thing is, is like, though like I'm at capacity when it comes to artist management, like that's the hardest thing to like scale or grow because I'm one person. Yeah. Um, but on the music publishing side of things, I can add music to my catalog all day long. Gotcha. Um, so I'm always looking for new music because um, we get so many different music briefs that you know, I really still don't have that music in my catalog. Mm -hmm. So I'm always looking for like new artists to like listen to or like new tracks. So I know if, you know, some briefs come through, I can be like, oh, actually I can hit up this artist and, um, and hopefully, you know, license that music for them. Cool. So I'm down to listen to music. Sweet. You heard it here first, <laughs> folks. Send Melissa your music. Thank you for coming on and doing this, Melissa. Uh, Thank you. I, I, I recorded always... our first recorded chat. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's crazy. Um, yeah, we always have great conversations. And um, I always felt like there's stuff that people could learn from them. So when I decided to do this podcast, I was like, got to get Melissa on for sure. Um, yeah, I appreciate so, it. Yeah. Thanks Thank a lot. You. Thank you so much for listening to the Art Pays Me podcast. Thank you to Langy Beats for the theme music. If you got anything out of this show, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. The more you do this, the more reach the podcast gets, and the more artists I can help learn to make a living at what they love. If you want to know more about what I do, hit me up at artpaysme.com or at artpaysme on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. See y'all next time.